So we finished up the series called United We Stand. I think we spent eight or nine weeks on that. And uh, that's done and we're slipping into the new series called Big Words. And so we're going to cover some of the major concepts of the faith. Big words. And uh, uh, it kind of segues from the United We Stand thing. We were going through 1 Corinthians and talking about all the different times where Paul talks about unity in the body of Christ through the book of 1 Corinthians. And uh, the last two weeks we covered chapter 12 and chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, which are all about spiritual gifts and all the different things. You know, there's some Christians are different. Did you know that? We're kind of different. <laughs> and uh, we've got to be able to love each other even when we're different. That's very important. And so the chapter 12 was all about spiritual gifts and kind of the broad picture. Chapter 14 was some specifics of here's how you do it in a church service. Here's properly and in order. Uh, and then there's this thing in between 12 and 14. A whole chapter on something really, really important. And in fact, Paul introduces it this way in the last verse of chapter 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 31, or 30, 31, says this, but eagerly desire the greater gifts. So he's telling them about all these gifts and he says, eagerly desire them, especially the most important ones like prophecy and stuff like that. Eagerly desire the greater gifts and now I will show you the most excellent way. Do you want to know the most excellent way? Do you know what Christianity was called in New Testament times? Do you know what Christianity was called when Paul was going to Damascus to go haul Christians in for being followers of this goofy sect? It was not called Christianity. This word, I will show you the most excellent way. That's the word that Christianity was called by, the way. And it's this Greek word. And let's go to, uh, just to show that, let's go to Acts chapter 9, 1 and 2. Meanwhile, Saul, that's Paul. This is the guy writing 1 Corinthians. He's the one that God is using to write 1 Corinthians. He's the one that's being given the revelation and the insight. He's the one that's given the position and the place to be able to speak this out. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. And he went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue in Damascus so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. So here we see that Saul, later to become Paul, is going to Damascus not to go get Christians, but to go get people who belong to the way. They're the ones he's going to go get. He understood the way was the name of this group of people. The people who believed Jesus rose from the dead and salvation was by faith in his name. Those people were the people of the way. And so he says in 1 Corinthians 12, I'm going to show you the most excellent way. 
just in the terminology we see that our faith is to have feet. It's about practice. It's about the way we live, the way we walk with God. God, Jesus does his thing and we follow in his footsteps. His ways are our ways. His, God's ways are our ways. The most excellent way. Are you interested in what this most excellent way might be? Let's find out. Oh boy. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 1 through 3 says this. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. So these followers of the way were looking to do things for God, to live in God's ways, to accomplish God's uh, tasks for them on earth. And he says, if you can speak in the tongues of men and of angels, wouldn't that be something? I know a guy, what was his name, Goodrich or something? John Goodrich, he actually witnessed to somebody in a language he did not understand, had a full conversation with him, and led him to the Lord and didn't really know what was going on. Isn't that something? Oh my, I wish that would happen to me. (laughs) That would be really nice. Uh, Then I could understand that stuff better. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love... So these were people, they were willing to speak. But if they spoke without love, was it of any value? No. Just noise. In fact, if you speak without love, it can be worse than nothing. It can be very, very damaging. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, would you like to fathom all mysteries and all knowledge? Did you know you can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge and have that be worthless? Because you did not understand the love of God. You did not feel and share the love of God. It is possible to fathom all mysteries and all knowledge and have that be worthless. If I have a faith that can move mountains, wouldn't that be fun? could have a press conference. We'll have a mountain moving service. We'll call CNN. We're going to say, what mountain do you want to have fly into the sea? Make sure you back people away from the coast because there's going to be a tsunami. And we could just cast a mountain into the sea. Having that much faith, that much power, is it possible for that to amount to nothing and be worthless? It is. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, is it possible to give every penny you have, no matter how much that is, and have God look at you and say, you've done nothing? If you give everything you have, not just all of your money, but your body as well, 
to death and you have not love, it amounts to nothing. Isn't that amazing? These are very, very strong words. Is love important to God? Absolutely. Now let me just mention real quick, there's different Greek words for love. You know, it can mean like brotherly love, that's the same as the word Philadelphia. That's where Philadelphia comes from, the city of brotherly love. That's like a camaraderie and a, you know what I mean, that that sort of brotherly love. There's the romantic love thing, you know, the Valentine's Day deal. Uh, and then there's the love that's described as, well, it's the God kind of love. It's the love God has. That That thing that we have trouble defining properly is this word. If we don't have that love that God has, if we don't have the God kind of love, it just amounts to nothing. We can do all kinds of stuff. We can, we can walk in the ways of miracles. We can walk in the ways of knowledge. We can walk in the ways of giving and it ends up meaning nothing because we haven't walked in the ways of the God kind of love. The most excellent way. Let's define this God kind of love. John 13, 34 and 35. Jesus is speaking and He says this, A new command I give you. Do you know Jesus spoke with authority? I asked somebody one time, what does it mean that Jesus spoke with authority? And the the person said, well, like you. And I said, no, (laughs) that's not it at all. I don't get to say a new command I give you. I have to say, here's something I read in the Bible. (laughs) You know, I don't have the authority to take a stand and say, here's a new command from God. I don't get to say, you have heard it said, but I say. I don't get to do that. I have to just convey the truth of the word. And so, here's Jesus speaking in authority. He says, a new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. So he knows they need it defined. Love one another. What does that mean? What do you mean, love one another? He says, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. This is that Agape, this is that God kind of love. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So we are to love each other as God loves us. Do you guys think it's possible to really have miraculous manifestations of the power of God and have that actually be worthless? You want some biblical proof of that? They're like, sure, that'd be great. <laughs> Let's go to Matthew chapter 7. Here's Jesus again. We're going to get an understanding of what's going on here because I think these verses in chapter 7 have been misunderstood as well. John, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 7, 21 through 23. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Does that scare you a little bit? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, I've got to tell you, it's not hard. It's not confusing. It's not tricky. God isn't trying to hide this from us. 
But there are people who will refuse to be loved by God and refuse to love one another, and they'll even do it in church. Can you believe that? Church people not loving God and not loving each other? Have you heard about that? It's craziness. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Only those who follow the way of God. What is His way? His way is a way of love. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in Your name and in Your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? Didn't we do lots of fancy stuff? Is this bad stuff? Is a miracle a bad thing? No, miracles are great. Um, Prophecy is good. How about driving out demons? Is that a bad thing? No, that's great. Didn't we do all this wonderful stuff? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. These are people who did not have love. These are people who are doing their religious duty. They're maybe even progressing very far. Like Saul. He was doing great in his religious ladder climbing. So much so that he wanted to go to Damascus to haul some people who were following the way in so that he could gain more favor and climb the ladder even faster. But he found out he was completely off in his attempts to serve God because he wasn't serving God from a place of love. So it is very possible to do all this stuff not have love and have it be worthless. You guys know God loves you, right? You should, you've at least heard that. Um, you've at least heard that. Did you know that sometimes things happen that seem to make us think God doesn't love us? Have you noticed that? Remember the bird cage? The dude's sticking the stick in there. He's playing games with the bird like earthquake. Fun games like that. The thing that's tricky is when the devil intervenes in your life and causes you pain, oftentimes people misinterpret that and they get angry at God. What we need to do is get angry at the devil and be happy about God and want God's kingdom to come in greater and greater fullness. Is there anything that can separate us from the love of God? Let's just read Romans 8, 35-39. What can separate us from the love of God? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Now those are tough things. Don't let that just fly by. Trouble, hardship, persecution. These are very, very unpleasant things. Famine or nakedness or danger or sword. Absolute poverty, not even clothes to wear. Can that separate us from the love of Christ. As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. 
No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is nothing out there that can actually separate us from the love of Christ. But there's something in here. When our heart is broken and we forget the love of God, we can become loosened from His love. Have you felt that ever? It's something that we go through. It's a a place where we stand in faith, believing God is good but not understanding it. But when the devil sticks the stick in the cage, don't think it's God. That's the enemy. Do you believe that? Amen. Because we're gonna get, we're gonna turn a corner on this now, and we're gonna get happy. Are you ready? <laughs> I don't know. Well, this has been like a lead balloon. You know what I mean? Like, bam! Let's get happy. I've told you this before. I'll tell you again, but just in case you haven't heard me say it, the United States of America does not need to hear about Jesus. little shock factor there, trying to help you out. The United States of America does not need to hear about Jesus. They need to be shown. They need it to be demonstrated. They need to see what it means to follow Christ with your life, to do that as a corporate body. They need to see what would actually happen if people loved each other like Jesus loved them. They need to see that. They don't need to hear from people who don't love them about Jesus. They don't need to hear that people should do this and should do that from people who hate each other and hate them. They don't need to hear about Jesus. They need to be shown what it's like if we walk in His ways. They need to be shown that individually and they need to be shown that corporately. They need to see what it's like when a friend of theirs gives their life to Christ, turns their life over to Him and start walking in His ways and they need to see what it's like when a group of people do the same thing. They need to see that. I think for centuries, people have heard about Jesus but they haven't seen what it means to walk in His ways. That's hypocrisy. Let's be the ones to do it. Neely is on. It's a word from God. Come on. Let's do that. Amen? Let's be the ones to do that. He didn't show us these things in Scripture so that we would ignore them and do something differently. It was so that we could actually do them. Now, loving each other how Jesus loved us. Sounds real nice, doesn't it? (laughs) What if they still don't like me? You know, it's hard to be hated. Have you ever been hated? 
Boy, it, it sinks into you, doesn't it? Imagine being hated by the people of God. You got enough trouble. You got enough trouble. Let's not be hating people. Jesus loved me when I was a Saul. Jesus loved me when I was making fun of people because of their faith and tearing down their belief system because it was pretty simple to do and we had good fun with it. But Jesus loved me in the midst of that. How many people know we're supposed to love the unlovable? Who is that? Who is that? Who are the unlovable? Is it lepers in India? Eh, they're not here. It's really easy to love people who aren't around. Amen? How about, how about the kids in the orphanage in Jamaica? Are they the unlovable? I think they're easy to love. I mean, I think lepers in India are easy to love. They're not here. They're not breaking windows. They're not, they're not, you know, they're not doing anything that bothers us. Do you know who the unlovable is? It's the people that are in your life. It's your family members. It's your co-workers. It's the people who have wronged you. They're the ones who are the unlovable. We are to love how Jesus loved us. Do you remember what he did when we were still sinners? When we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Loving each other how Jesus loved us is different than just this cute little idea of let's sing kumbaya and all get along. We have to forgive people who have actually wronged us. We have to love people who have actually wronged us and are still in the process of doing it while we were still sinners. That's a tall order, isn't it? Jesus walked in those ways, can we? You know what? I would love for this to be an environment where it's easy to love one another as Jesus loved us. Let's make it as easy as possible. Does that mean that we can just throw forgiveness out the window because it'll never be necessary? No! It's going to come up from time to time. We're going to have to be able to walk in forgiveness if we're going to be able to love people as Jesus loved them. Hallelujah. See, I got one page today. I thought I could get there. I'm, I'm like, come on. All right. Let's, let's get through here. Let's make some progress. I believe we're making progress though. Amen. I believe we're making progress because if we understand that if we love each other, it's going to make a difference in this world. This, the, the kingdom of God will come. The power of God will be there when we love each other. But it's not just that simple little easy thing. It's, it can be very, very hard. If you've ever had to forgive somebody for something difficult, it's easier to pretend you've forgiven than to actually work through the process. It can take, it can take years. You know what I mean? Try. Speak it out. Check your heart and go, oop, not there yet. <laughs> Try again. I had one situation, took me a year. Just honestly, it took me a year to forgive. 
in a particular situation. And it was a work environment. Imagine a home environment where something egregious happens. A marriage environment. This was work. It took me a year. It's not easy. But we can get there. We can get there. 1 Corinthians 13. Is this going to be a two-parter? I'm just... I I try to do 25 minutes. It doesn't happen. All right, let's read 1 Corinthians um, 13, 4 through 7. We'll kind of work our way through. You want to know what this God kind of love is like? It's, It's expressed a little bit here. Love is patient. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. One of the things I see in Christian circles is envy. Who's that fancy guy from the East Coast who wrote the Circle Maker book? Mark Batterson. Was that a thing where Mark Batterson was at? And he planted a church in Chicago and it crashed and burned. And and then he was in D.C. doing his church and it's just barely going. You know what I mean? They're just staying alive. And... He was listening, you know, going to conferences and listening to all the wonderful stories of the great things God is doing everywhere else. And he was like, you know, failed church plant. No, it's really struggling and you people are having a great time. Ah. And, and he, he just realized, oh man, I got something in my heart that shouldn't be in there. I got to deal with that. And he, he just, he spent some time with the Lord and he got to the place where, okay, I need, If God's kingdom is advancing, I need to rejoice about that. Even though in my life I'm having struggles. I need to be excited that good things are happening for the Lord somewhere else. And he got to that place and hallelujah for that. But there's a lot of envy in church circles. That's not the Jesus kind of love. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. Amen. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Do you like the forgiving power of the blood of Jesus? Amen. Do you have a list of things people have done wrong to you (laughs) that date back maybe decades? It's time to throw the list away. It's time to get rid of it because it's a chain around your ankle pulling you down. It's time to get rid of the list. I am so glad my Lord does not have a list of things I've done wrong that the blood of the Lamb has erased that list because it was there. There's plenty to condemn each one of us. But His blood is sufficient to free each one of us. Hallelujah for that. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. You know, verse 8 says, love never fails. And reading that, I thought to myself, love never fails. 
Can I stand up in front of this group and tell them love never fails? Doesn't it seem like it does? <laughs> Aren't You know? Love never fails. It always protects. The word here is basically the word roof. Uh, you know, like a, a shelter's roof to, uh, to cover you in the rain. It's a, it's a roof is the idea. It doesn't mean there isn't rain. It doesn't mean there aren't storms. It means that there's a roof over your head in the midst of the storm. Love protects, trusts, hopes, and perseveres. I'm going to close, and here is the thing I want you to know. You cannot share what you do not have. If I could give you an island in the Caribbean, I, well, I'd have to pray about it because I would love an island in the Caribbean. (laughs) But it's a moot point. I do not have an island in the Caribbean. I cannot give that to you. I just don't have it. Can I give you the love of Jesus? I have to have it. I have to have that in my heart. If I don't have that in my heart, I don't have that to share. I can share ideas. I can share rules. I can share advice. But I sure can't share the love of Christ because I don't have it here. It's available to everyone. But we have to open up. We have to be willing to be loved by God. In the video we saw during the offering, the one playing the games, sticking the stick in there, shaking the cage, was not God. But when things like that happen, people tend to close themselves off from God. What we need to do instead is in faith open our hearts up to the Lord and say, yes, Lord, you can take me. You can be the guide of my life. You can show me the way and I will follow. So we're going to pray. Let's pray together. Then I'll dismiss everybody and we'll have the prayer team come up. If you need personal prayer, man, sometimes we're up here for a long time seeing God do mighty things. Come up, get some prayer. Well, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank You that You love us. I thank You that You like us. I thank You, Lord, that Your grace and mercy is showered upon us. Let us believe that. If there's doubt in our hearts and we're calloused and and don't believe that You are truly good, 
Help us so that we can fully receive your love. Open our hearts to you, Lord, as we release and forgive, as we release and trust you. Let us let go of the hurts and the pain and the doubt and the fear and live in your love that we can share it with others and enjoy it ourselves. So bless us, Lord. Help us each to receive your love fully and completely that we can stand through these times and have a shelter and a roof over our heads in the storms. Bless us and encourage us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.